All right. Cracking my knuckles. That probably comes through very badly on the microphone. This is going to be a big one. Uh, I imagine this episode is going to be longer than the other ones. Uh, if it is, I'm sorry. I do like to keep these episodes short. To me, 10 minutes is like a magical length. 15 minutes is good, but, you know, pushing it. Uh, if this one goes long, um, that's I, I might try to break it up into two, but I don't know how that would work. So this is this is something that I've been wanting to talk about for a while, but I think it wouldn't make sense to talk about it until we did some exploration of the, of both the language design and the engineering aspects of Hest. And now we get to get into how does the Hest prototypes, at least the prototypes, we'll see how long this lasts, how do they do the execution model? What is the actual, like, the step-by-step process for how Hest code is executed? How does that work in detail? This is, of course, uh, I already teased it. This is currently, this might change. Um, There's tons of stuff that I'm doing here that is so naive that I know that there are better ways to do this, but I'm, I'm really focused on just keeping it simple. For now, you know, more elaborate things can come later, but for prototyping, there's a certain minimum amount of, of complexity that I think is tolerable and beyond that you get into trouble. So we're going to look at how things are now. Tons of mistakes that I'm making. You'd probably reach out and say, don't do that, do this. And you'd be right. But I think it's just interesting to look at how this works because it's something that I, I you know, had to spend a lot of time thinking about and uh, building. And it's one of the more mature parts of the current prototypes in that it was a prerequisite for pretty much everything else. So... I think it's interesting as a case study of here's what something that is implemented looks like, as opposed to a lot of the things I talk about that are either partially implemented or not implemented yet and are just thoughts. So execution has to work both forward and backward. That's one of the main features of Hest. And it has to work at arbitrary timescales. So you have to be able to execute forward slowly and you have to be able to execute forward a little more quickly and that changes how animation of points moving along paths appears on the screen naturally Um, but also at a certain point when you get above a certain speed like when you have a point that is traveling along a path to a function and then that function does some processing and produces a new point that new point travels along an edge to another function that function does some processing when you're getting to the point of multiple functions running per tick of the uh, oh, that's a bad term um, it, I'm going to talk about per frame because Hest is visual so it is producing frames that go out to the screen and the screen runs at a certain frame rate so it's 60 hertz for a lot of computers so there's some stuff that happens that is based on visualizing the execution that has to tie into the frame rate. And so it's worth thinking about things like when execution is slower than say one function per frame or something like that versus when execution gets really fast. Like when you crank that time slider all the way towards positive infinity or negative infinity, you want to run as many functions and, and do as much work as you can as fast as you can. And so it doesn't make sense anymore to, you know, if you're going to run, like in, in some of my benchmarking, I had like um, a million operations per second, where an operation is a point goes to a function, the function does some work with that 
point and then produces a new point. If you're doing a million of those per second, um, you're not going to be updating the screen millions of times if there's only like five points moving around in your system circling through a lot of you know loops or whatever. Um, you kind of want to find a way to render that that makes sense when running at a super fast time scale. And so that means disabling certain visual effects, rendering things in a different style that sort of indicates like stuff's happening, but it's happening too fast to follow. And then when you slow down at some threshold, switching to a mode where it's like, okay, we're going to go more slowly and more visually show you what's going on. So there's a different kind of performance cost depending on how, how quickly you're running. Cause when you come down a little bit from the fastest execution, there's a higher cost because all this visual stuff is happening. The way that the execution works is you have all of these paths that can convey points on them throughout your system, and you have all of these points that are on those paths being conveyed. And what I do is I have that list of all of the points that exist in the system, and I, I have that list sorted in terms of, uh, and I think I actually have two lists, one for forward, one for backward, and it's sorted in terms of how close is each point to the next function that needs to be invoked. And so the point that is going to be arriving at its destination next is at the top of the list, and the point that is furthest away from arriving at a function is at the bottom of the list. And so I grab that top point off the list, and I say, okay, how far are you away from your next function? Oh, you're like this distance. Okay, advance time by the right amount to get you to your next function. And because of has semantics so far there's nothing squirrely going on there so if you you know if i advance time a little bit all the points move that much closer to their destinations but the the order of that list is preserved they're all still the same sort order away from their destinations and so that point that was at the top of the list is now at its function i can uh, execute that function, which is just a pluggable little bit of JavaScript. So here's an escape hatch for people who uh, someday will be playing with Hest. Um, you can just write a little function in in JavaScript because this is in the browser. If I port it to other platforms, there'll be some other pluggable mechanism for putting things in. But you just write whatever function you want to have. So you might have a function that adds, you know, five to a number. Let's ig ignore multiple inputs right now because we spend a ton of episodes talking about coordination synchronization. We're going to ignore that. We're going to pretend all functions just take one input and return one output, let's say. So you have some function that adds five to a number and a point comes in carrying a number. And so you write some little JavaScript that says, take the value stored in that point, add five to that value, return a new point that contains the value, you know, input plus five. Uh, and then also uh, build up the little bit of history that's needed to do reversibility later. Tag tag that new point with with the history or what have you. Uh, and there's a couple of different approaches that maybe I'll talk about them in this episode. Maybe if this episode goes super duper long, I'll talk about that in the later episode, how I'm actually storing the data to do the reversing currently. So uh, we've done the list of points in order. We've taken that top point on the list, the one that's closest to its function. We've moved time ahead for everybody by that amount. And we've executed the function on that top point that's produced a new point and that new point is presumably quite a bit further away from its destination so we add that to the list and we resort the list which hopefully is fairly efficient because i'm already mostly sorted list with one new thing going in should be pretty quick to get back to an entirely sorted list depending on what kind of sort you use um and then we just repeat that process until we have hit one of the limit conditions for how much execution we can do and so that might be 
that Hest is designed to preserve. Um, um, ooh, what's the term for that? Oh, frick. Um, interactivity, I guess. Like it's designed to preserve 60 frames per second. So it's not going to do a whole bunch of execution if that leads to the frame rate dropping. It's going to take a, you know, if, if it's meant to run at 60 frames a second, we've got 16 milliseconds to do everything. And that includes handling input and rendering and all of that. So I'm currently giving Hast something like two milliseconds or so to advance to the next state of the simulation. And when those two milliseconds are up, we call that the end of the frame. And I leave the other amount of time for rendering and that kind of stuff. I'm leaving a lot of time for rendering because I can imagine getting up to 120 hertz or 144 or 240 hertz pretty soon. And so that's going to cut the amount of time down. And so I want that to be a uh, change that affects the rendering and not a change that affects the execution model as much as I can. Yeah, so we we have two milliseconds or whatever to to chew through as many of those points on that list as possible. Uh, and if we run out, that's one limit condition. The other limit condition is there's a certain rate that execution goes at. And so if your slider is saying, you know, um, we want to advance execution forward by 100 operations per frame or, or 100 ticks per frame because it's I'm using ticks as a way of saying like this edge that goes from point A to point B is a thousand ticks long. And so if you're moving forward at a hundred ticks per frame, it's going to take 10 seconds for a point to go from one end to the other. If you go faster, you know, it's going to take less time to travel that distance. And so there's a correlation between like the number of pixels at a certain scale and the number of ticks that internally represent length versus time and there's a little internal constant that is like you know how many ticks per pixel and so when you're setting execution to move forward you're choosing a rate of ticks to move per second and so um, slow speeds are like one tick per second um, medium speed is like 10 ticks per second 100 ticks per second the slider is is uh, uh, you know a exponential on uh uh, power of 10 and so um you get up to like 10,000 ticks per second and things are really cooking and then it's the next one after that is just infinity um uh, so you might say um we're moving forward at 100 ticks per second uh we only want to do as much execution as it takes to advance everything by 100 ticks so if that first point was 30 ticks away from its function we would advance our execution simulation by 30 ticks and then process that and then we've got another 70 ticks worth of time to handle and we keep doing that we keep moving points forward to their functions invoking the functions producing output keep moving everybody forward so on and so forth and then when we've used our 100 ticks, then we stop for that frame and we're done. And then we wait until the next frame. So the next time the, the display of the computer says, hey, a certain amount of time has passed. Let's do some new new rendering. So that's that's basically how execution works going forwards. Going backwards is basically the same. There's a, you know, a, a, we build a separate list of how far away each point is from the function that it was previously at and we just move all of those points backwards towards the functions they came from when they arrive at those functions those functions might have some special behavior that they do to restore the previous point that was their input because remember we're just talking about functions that take one argument and produce one return value um so there might be something special that the function does, or it might just be an automatic case where, you know, we've stored what the input was at that moment in time. And so we can just revive that point uh, that had come into that function to execute it. So we 
kill off the point that's moving backwards to that function and we revive the point that had arrived at that function previously and send it backwards up its path to its previous function. And, and so it's it's basically the same behavior just running in reverse, you know, advance the smallest time increment, resolve it, resort the list, repeat. So now I'm going to look at how long this episode has been going. Um, yeah, this actually is a pretty good length. How about that? So I'm going to split this episode here, and then next week I'm going to talk about metaprogramming and how that completely, totally screws up this model and might force me to do something different um, or at the very least design my way out of this this problem. And it's what I'm calling metaprogramming. So don't, you know, don't picture anything specific. I'll tell you what I mean by that. So uh, yeah, so we'll come back next week for more discussion of how Hest does its execution.